0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National Average 12 Month Savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
3: Florisms. Megahorn.
0: They're trusting people in the media who get it. To blow that megahorn? Is that how, megaphone? Blow that horn! Blow, oh God, it's a it's a sim. Simsism. Simsism. I bet the megahorn is a thing. Megahorn is megahorn is one of the attacks in Pokemon, so it is a word.
1: Okay, um, but it's
2: it's a
0: new Florioism. I
2: like. I'll it. I'll take it. Florism.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it was inevitable after four years. Blow the megaphone. Influenced. By you the megahorn every horn. single day <laughs> trying to defend the basic realities of the English language and having the language inadvertently expanded on a near daily basis. Near daily basis. Let's not have another florism right out of the yeah, gates. So right. Megahorn. I still I stand by Megahorn. I, I, I like Megahorn. Listen,
5: I like it too. I think we should start something there. It's like leader house. It's just like why why all this
0: nonsense? It's a, it's a megahorn. Let's go. I'm I'm kind of behind it. I think that's what they should call the thing they blow in Minnesota. Yeah. I, I, I think every time you I think that's a megahorn. I I'm, I think it's that simple. I'm with you. Now like I like how
5: it was that flory ism. Like I like how they drew out the middle though.
2: Florism.
5: Uh but you are you not supposed to add the O at the end of that one? I mean I don't I don't I don't I, Yeah. The, all right. They didn't ask me. That's EJ. They, 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 EJ's they, awesome they with graphics. Me. He could have misspelled it as far as we know. Who knows? He's great with graphics. I don't know if the kid can uh, even spell, so we'll see. But good job, EJ. Way to go.
0: <laughs> EJ didn't reach out yesterday to ask me, you know, when we make fun of you tomorrow, we want to make sure we get the insult right. Do you prefer <laughs> right. Florism or Florioism? Please advise that, that email. If it was sent, must have ended up in spam. Uh, speaking of emails, we hear from people all over the world, and we know that the vast majority of the folks who read PFT are in the United States, but I hear from the folks who watch us on Sky all the time, every day. That's not a complaint, although there are moments where I would like to complain because I try to respond to most of them, and I know that's stupid in theory because There's a chance you end up spending a good chunk of your day responding to emails, but they're taking the time to write. How long, how much effort does it take to say thank you very much and hit send? So I try to at least do that. It's nice. Yeah. Most of the time, not all the time, because now the people who didn't get a response are going to be even more upset they didn't hear back from me. But I try to. But yesterday, I got one from a guy in Argentina, Mariano. Mariano Domingo. Oh, hey, A Mariano Domingo, as you would say, <laughs> in Argentina. I don't even know if that's the prevailing I'm accent. I'm not sure
5: there. it is. No, I don't think it is either. <laughs>
0: but but Mariano Domingo. It sounds Italian uh, from from Argentina. Reached out and uh, he he wanted to say that he listens to us on the podcast every day. He really enjoys it. And you know, it is weird, but I I, I guess I get it. I mean. The people you listen to all the time, if you choose to, and there's so many options out there. I don't know why anyone would choose to listen to us, but if they do, great. You start to feel like you know them. Yeah, sure. And it's part of your routine. And that's what we're here for. We're here to be that part of your routine that doesn't suck most of the time. Definitely, no. The part I'm, of your routine right. that you can look forward to, the, the the that you can forget about whatever it is that may be bothering you. And hey, hey. It's part of my routine. I look forward to this two hours because I can completely seal off the rest of my life. Whatever else may be bothering me or whatever bothers I may be causing others, they go away for two hours while we do the show. So it's kind of a mutual thing. So anyway, Mariano, in order Mariano? Thank you Mariano? for reaching out. And yes. Please, folks, I, I, you know, florio at profootballtalk.com. Send greetings, send your complaints about Sims, send recipes for various desserts that I may have never had before and I'll see if I can figure out how to screw them up whatever you want to send as long as it's by email I don't care don't send me any mail you know in why don't you just give me your packages. number
5: give me your phone number so you
0: can just text with them too you want know me to do it all right yeah. the number is 304 yeah <laughs> uh. <laughs> people do that though I mean they set up a completely separate phone yes it's I, like, I can't you know, do it, that you'll see that oh you can text me oh text me. yeah like that's really the phone I think Tom Brady did that at one point. There's not a lot. Long ago. I, I hey, see you it. can text Tom Brady. No, you're not texting Tom Brady. Yeah, you're, you're sending a text message to a dedicated line that someone he's paying 15 bucks an hour to is screening, and one out of a thousand is going to make it to him. Well, that's what, that's what
5: it is. I, I, you're right. That's exactly what it is. But like, I also see like, you know some of the younger crowd in the building here right like the 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 men and boy the men and women that are like in the 30s right 32 33 they'll have two phones and i mean to me i look at that and just go that's a nightmare like that's a nightmare but to them it's keeping life in order in a certain way and that's where i just i can't get behind that another cell phone how does it keep life in order? Because unless I think there are Unless more, you're trying to lead two lives. No, I think <laughs> I mean, they're like no. <laughs> a lot of like people have like this is the work phone and only work people text this and this is work problems and then I have friends and social life on this phone and to me that's just too much. I can't juggle that all and I couldn't stand having carrying around two phones all the time. I tried
0: that at one point for like a month and it's, no way you, you have yeah it's 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 a juggling it's act right. right? And and I think I think some of the people who do it, I, and I'm not pointing out anyone at NBC. I'm just saying I think right. some of the people who have two phones simply like to have two phones. They like people to see they have two phones. Hey, look, I got two phones. I'm important. I got two phones. <laughs> Maybe You really don't need. You're, in my view. And in this business. Like, if you're in this business and you have two phones, like, oh, it must be really busy. Must talk to a lot of people. Must be in demand. Needs two phones. Don't need two phones. I know no. people who have two phones. And it's like- and I said, I said to the guy, "You really, you're just doing that for show, aren't you? And you get kind of that little look, like maybe." <laughs> so, I, yeah, it's it's life is simpler, the, and these devices are powerful enough. I've had this thing. This is an iPhone eight. I've had it for five years. I
5: think I'm with you. I think I'm on a nine.
0: I think I'm out a nine, everything, here. everything's here, and the text messages come up, and it's manageable. So anyway, I don't know how we went. From That's a good talk. Good talk. I mean, yeah. A florism on the Megahorn. To Mariano in Argentina, to uh, Double having cell two phones. phones, but we are one phone, one phone guys. There is no iPhone nine, by the way. Matt uh, Casey said, "Oh, the so maybe it's I have an eight th- or an X. Ooh, Remember the
5: X? Maybe I don't know. Let's see. That just tells you I, I don't know a lot about this crap. I thought I was around the nine range, but maybe I do have the eight. Maybe yeah, maybe I, I really don't know. Like my kids and my wife have the new phone, Dad." Is yours broken? I don't see a crack on the screen. You don't need the new one, and I just, you know, I'll just hang in
0: there and, and keep using this one. My, when I look at mine straight on, it it's perfectly fine, and and I I assume others have this same experience. When if you turn it just right. It's it's like it's completely shattered, but you just have to get it at the right angle to see just how messed up the screen is. And I've got a protector on it that I guess is holding all those pieces together. Yeah, probably. But if you look at it straight on, it's fine. Okay. But there's just that one angle where it's like, how in the hell has this phone not imploded? But I'm sticking with it. I'm riding it, baby. It's like that gas tank that's almost on empty. I'm carrying this thing as long as I can. So it's I'm broken
5: is what you're phone. telling me. It's broken in it's the case it's broken but it works okay fine all right it's
0: broken but it works so it's not broken if it works all right Uh, it's broken in green bay between aaron Rodgers and the packers jordan love who had a rough outing his first day of the mandatory main camp all of a sudden the tweets were coming fast and furious from the beat writers who were watching practice on wednesday jordan love looking pretty good jordan love starting to figure it out jordan love Getting it done. Here's Jordan Love after practice on Wednesday talking to reporters about how he's feeling now that he's had even more time as the number one guy in Green Bay.
3: Um, my mindset this whole offseason been to get ready and get myself ready, and that's been my mindset since I got here. And, uh, you know, whether Aaron was here or not here, that's going to be my mindset regardless because I have to get myself ready to play. I've just been living my life, man, just <laughs> – trying to do what I can do to to get better um, in this off season, And obviously, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next, you know, just got to, um, my main thing has been controlling what I can control and, uh, you know, do my best to, like I said, get better every day um, so that I'm ready, you know, whatever the circumstance may be come season. Um, just do my best to be ready for myself, for the team, and for everybody here. Um, yeah. And uh, the other question, yeah, me. Uh, Obviously, me and Aaron, we got a good relationship. Um, talked to him probably a week before I got out here. So, yeah.
0: Managed to get through that with any face touching or other tells, but there, there was at one point you could see by the eye movement and just the general exasperation. We, we know what he's been going through. Yeah, I feel for the guy. Right, definitely. He's, he is in a no-win Ooh. situation. Get ready. You don't know when the guy's coming back. You got to be ready to go. Everything you do is going to be scrutinized at a level that no other first round quarterback faces because none of them potentially are replacing one of the all time greats at a time where we're not sure whether or not the all time great is going to come back. And, you know, frankly, the better Jordan Love performs, maybe the more likely the all time great comes back. Who knows what's going to motivate Aaron Rodgers at this point? But I really feel for Jordan Love. And I think anything that he does that looks good that passes the eyeball test that gets those reporters to check boxes for hey he looks great hey how about that throw hey that that's even more impressive than it would be for any other quarterback given the stress that is inherent to his current predicament uh, no, no doubt about it I mean there's I don't think
5: there's more of a spotlight on one player in the whole NFL more than than uh Jordan Love that's for sure you know and, and again like yeah it's a tough spot you know, hopefully he does have a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers at least went through something similar to a degree—not quite like this—but maybe that can help him with his own mindset of mindset of how to approach this situation and everything like that. But like. One, I'm like, Mike, first off, like the reports, like you mentioned, the tweets, everything like that. I'm not surprised to hear that. Hey, it's the second day, right? Maybe they added a few new plays into the offense that caught the defense off guard. He's a little bit more comfortable. You know, of course, wide receivers and everybody else are comfortable too. And here, this is the other part that, you know, maybe I hang around with you too long. Okay. Um, and, and and maybe I look too deep into things, but I also know this is the NFL, and this stuff goes on. Like the, the the Packers saw the tweets from two days ago about practice not being, you know, all that awesome by Jordan Love missed throws. The front office saw that. They hear the chatter. The coaches hear the chatter. So I would also think there was a concerted effort. One, you know to make the player look good so he doesn't have so much pressure on him but just to sh- you know shut up the outside noise a little bit to where maybe they did draw up a few plays and you know ooh got the defense in just the right play for that play like I've talked about to at least put him in a position to take advantage of something big and maybe you know, frame the narrative a new way the next day. I, I don't put that past them. I'm not trying to be a jerk by it. It goes on all the time, and that's uh, one of the first things I thought of when I saw some of that stuff yesterday.
0: I think it's a fair take. You've pointed out in the past that in New England they don't call defenses that are catered to allowing the offensive play to work. Right. The offense is on its own in practice. But if Joe Barry calls a defense. Knowing what the offensive play is going to be, knowing that that defense sets up the offensive play for success and allows the Packers yeah. to generate some of these tweets that will maybe make Jordan Love look better, make him feel better, spin things in their favor. Exactly. Yeah, I look. I. Yeah, you do but, it, I, right? I do it. I. I I, I don't know that I would do it per se. I can't fault them for doing it. Yeah. I mean, I can't fault them for doing it. Not, not after the way things went on Tuesday. And they understand exactly. how high stakes this all is. Right. And that's the thing. There are no accidents in any of this. Yeah. There are no mistakes in any of this. When Mark Murphy writes in a column that the Aaron Rodgers situation has divided our fan base, that's not something that he just blurts out and he wishes he could take back. That's the product of careful thought and strategic planning. Everything that's happening here is the result of strategic planning. Just like as I wrote last night at PFT, when James Jones continues to say the situation is fixable. That is the result of strategic planning by Aaron Rodgers to make it look like the Packers are at fault for not fixing it. It's very simple. It's fixable. It's fixable. The Packers haven't fixed it. Blame the Packers. Yeah. It's no big deal. It's not about this. It's not about that. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, but it's no big deal. Yeah. It's fixable. They can fix it. And he'll be Everything. back. I think he'll be
5: back for training yeah. camp. Like, yes,
0: yeah, I, I agree with you. You're exactly right. Everything is strategic here. I so, think so. Yes. You know, just like you have influenced me over the last four years to say things like Megahorn, <laughs> my cynical nature has influenced well, you. Yeah. To, to realize, and you would—you don't need me to realize. It's, yeah, they—they're going to try to prop their guy up. They have to. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I—I I mean, I—you know—I've seen John Gruden do it. I've seen
5: him have conversations with the defensive coordinator, like, "Hey, man, you know, I got to get this guy some confidence, right?" He'll—he'll he'll talk like that or whatever it is. I could totally see that going down. Nate Hackett, Matt Lafleur having a conversation with Joe Barry hey, play this coverage while we run these plays, you know, and then I have friends that ask me and go, well, why would the defense do that, though? That's not good for them. And I go, yes, it is still good for them. And you have to understand why a little bit. Yeah, like Joe Barry might not want to play that exact defense versus that formation, right? But during the NFL season, at some point, his defense is going to get tricked and that they're going to motion or do something, and he's going to get stuck, you know, in that – in that defensive setting with that formation he doesn't like to go against. And now the defense at least gets to work on it and go, see, this is where we're vulnerable when we play this. So we have to learn to do this and make a little, you know, tweaks to the rules of the defense and things like that. So it still benefits the defense, even though they're letting up a big play on seven on seven in a mini camp or anything like that. It's a learning tool. And then also an offensive confidence booster for the quarterback, the receivers, whoever it may be. And I think that it'd be something I would do. I would be thinking that if I'm an offensive coach with the Packers right now. Hey, let's get everybody off this kid's back a little bit. Let's get him some confidence. You know, it's hard enough, let alone we got the media tweeting out, you know, live events about him missing throws and things like that. And and I I could certainly see that going down or at least them having that conversation.
0: I doubt Chris there was a single tweet about the guys who got burned, the guys who got beaten, the guys who were out of position when Jordan Love exactly made it. Exactly right. Those guys aren't the focal point of everything that's happening in Green Bay. And another way to justify it is we owe it to this kid to help him. We put him in this spot. We drafted him into this mess. The mere act of drafting him helped create this mess, regardless of anything that Aaron Rodgers is saying to James Jones with the idea that James Jones is then going to turn around and say it on radio or TV. Of course, that was part of this, the way they handled it. What it shows, whether it's the symptom or the cause, it's part of the problem. And right. Jordan Love is in an extremely difficult position. So they owe it to the kid to they give do. him a positive day Definitely. to make him. And they need him to. They need him to build confidence. Exactly. If he's good. at some point he's going to be the guy, maybe this year, right. Maybe next year, maybe the year after. They can't ruin him in a mandatory minicamp practice by letting him just flounder. And, and, and get to the point where he's got no confidence at all. He's gotta have some leadership at some point though, Chris. Here's Jordan Love from yesterday talking about his approach to leading the other players who will be on the field with him.
3: That's a part of my game that I'm trying to improve as well. Um just being able to take charge of this offense and uh you know, be able to command these guys and uh take leadership uh role. But uh yeah, I mean like you said last year obviously I wasn't in that role. Um, you know, that was that was Aaron's voice being heard and uh, whatnot. But now I just got to be able to, you know, take that next step and uh, take command of it and lead these guys, and you know.
0: It makes sense. Why are you going to try to lead when the guy who's been the leader since you were 10 years old exactly. or younger Right? Is is there? He's not there. You're number one on the depth chart while he's not there. You've got to provide the leadership. It's that simple. And it can be awkward at first because, you know, people develop their narratives. They get used to what they've seen. Oh, there's that guy who was quiet all year last year. Oh, wait a minute. He's talking now. Oh, boy, I I kind of like what he's having to say. But that that's part of... What you have to be as a quarterback, you know when it's your moment, right? Yes. To step up. when You know when it's your moment to shut up and you know when it's your moment to step up.
5: Yes, that's right. And step up and then start to learn the different – or get a feel for the different phases of that leadership. I think that's the next thing. Like, you know, again – like Devonte Adams and and the rest of the offensive line, and David Bakhtiari, they don't they don't want to hear like a rah rah speech from Jordan Love right now, right, right, right. That would be like, wait, dude, you you're not to that leadership level yet. You haven't played in a game. You haven't even dressed for a game yet. But like where it starts is, hey, yeah, command of the offense. He knows what he's doing, and then the knowledge within the offense. That's how he's going to start his leadership role. You know, the guys break the huddle, Valdez-Scantling's like, what, what? He's, hey, double wing right, you're over here, get in the slot. You know, four yards off the tackle there. He gets him right like that. Then players start to listen. Wait, this guy knows what he's doing. Okay. And then the next thing that comes, you know, is you got to see the results and things like that. So that's how the leadership is formed as far as the quarterback position. And yeah, this is a great experience for him to kind of show his knowledge, his command of the offense. That he can, you know, handle the the pressure and the heat of the situation and direct everybody the right way. And then as he gets to play and practice and play in the preseason, he could start to, even if Aaron Rodgers is there, just assert his voice little by little, you know, here and there, without kind of, you know, uh, being disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers. And and hopefully he's learning that. He's got a great way about him, as you could see. That's for sure, and I do think the kids got natural leadership abilities, just at least a little I've heard behind
0: the scenes. How did it work for you when you showed up as a rookie in 2003? Uh, t- take me through that progression. You know, you're you're, you're the guy who's, who's making sure Warren Sapp has his cans of Copenhagen right. to eventually becoming the guy who's taking over the team. Like, total backseat is
5: what I did. I mean, yeah, just, hey, whatever I can do, I want to learn – Let me show you I'm willing to work, you know, and be a good teammate. So I was always, you know, following Brad Johnson. I had Brad Johnson and Sean King. You know, who the hell was I to think that I should be in front of them on the depth chart? One guy just won the Super Bowl. The other guy played in the NFC Championship game like three years before that. So I really just took the approach of let me be one of the guys. Let me show them that I love football and I love to work at it. And slowly you start to gain the respect and like, you know, like I was just saying, then they see me play in preseason. I go, Hey, this, this tall blonde kid, he's yeah, he's a knucklehead, but damn, he's pretty good. He likes football. And you know, you start to create your niche on the football team to where the next year, you know, in year two, I kind of was a little bit, I don't want to say it a quarterback competition, but a little bit, they were telling me, Hey, you might have a chance to start this year or do something like that. Brad didn't play great. I didn't think I would start, but at least I was able to you know, assert myself to a, de- to a degree without trying to be disrespectful to Brad Johnson, again, who a guy was really good and good to me. And then when I got my chance uh, you know, to play and do that, then I could kind of show everybody my real self. And maybe yeah, yell and be a little you know rah rah ish a little bit more that way. But yeah, you gotta you gotta take it in steps in the locker room. If you go too quickly, people will disrespect you, not like you, and and shut you out and be
0: like, oh gosh, he's all talk. Shut up, he hasn't done anything yet. One thing that you said there that struck me the opportunity you had as a rookie to play in the preseason and develop a niche that way. Jordan Love didn't have that, right? I know. Last year, he's at even more of a disadvantage. Exactly. He was just the guy who was there, never in uniform. Speaking of uniforms, I always heard that Brad Johnson at halftime of the game would take off. The uniform he wore the first half and put on an entire new one. Is that true? Well,
5: listen, nobody could sweat like the – we call him the bull. Brad Johnson <laughs> could sweat like no other. My first training camp ever, uh, like our our second day of camp, we're having double sessions. I mean, I remember hearing a yell throughout a hallway of our hotel in Orlando. It was Brad Johnson on the floor in a full body cramp. He couldn't move. They had to, like, get IVs up there and do everything. So, yes – in some of the hot games, he would change some of his clothes. And then we had Swamp Ass at center, right? And John Wade. And he used to make John Wade change his pants at halftime because, like, the ball was a wet watermelon by the end of the half. And he would do that. And John Wade would be in there all mad and taking it off. And you could see he was pissed off that he had to do it and all that. But, no, that is real. Brad, early in the year, he would definitely – wouldn't change his whole uniform – But if he felt like his pants were, like, excessively soaked or it just the jersey or whatever, then, yeah, he'd make a change that
0: way. I have no idea how to make the transition. No, there's none from that. You can't go from swamp ass
5: to a next, next topic.
0: (laughs) Uh, Kareem Jackson, previously with the Houston Texans, past couple of years with the Denver Broncos, appearing with Aqib Tlaib on the Catch and Fades podcast, interesting things to say that got Deshaun Watson's name trending because there's the relationship there between Jackson and Watson and they have been talking and here's what Jackson had to say to to Tlaib
4: I got a great relationship with Deshaun I've been talking to him the last couple of weeks man and and like all he's been all he's been telling me is like look Jack just tell him like Come
3: that's why I want to
4: be like he like that's why I want to be He like man listen that's why he like I want to be in Denver I want, he's like, and and like during the time I was going through, you know, my little free agency thing, and I end up signing back here. Before I signed, he called, he was like, man, are you going to sign? I was like, I don't know. I ain't sure yet. He was like, well, you know, let me know what you're going to do, whatever, whatever. And I signed back. He's like, listen, man, tell him that I want to be in Denver.
0: You know, this Deshaun Jack, uh, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, situation has been hanging around since early January. More than five months later. This is the first time. First time. It is. Break me if I'm wrong. No, I know. You're right. First time we have any clear indication of what he wants. Yeah. By way of his next team. Yeah. There's been suggestions. There's been rumors. You hear Miami. You haven't heard where he doesn't want to go. You haven't heard where he does want to go. First time. Clarity, he wants to go to Denver. Yeah, I I mean, it is. It's it is. kind of cool to hear something like that publicly,
5: and especially, yeah, it, it holds more merit when it's Kareem Jackson who played with him for a long period of time. You know, now, again... We don't know for sure. Uh, I mean, he could also be talking to somebody on the Miami Dolphins saying the same thing, and that guy just hasn't been interviewed <laughs> yeah. on a podcast yet. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure. So that, that's there a may be five r- different teams he's saying, that's where I want to be. <laughs> yeah, that's, where be. The, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Right. It's a very real possibility. At the very least, we know one thing. He doesn't want to be where he is right now. He wants out of Houston badly. And – I think we both agree. Denver was one of those teams I think we heard a lot early on in the process before all the crap hit the fan for Deshaun Watson that, you know, they were definitely involved in, in the Deshaun Watson talk and the sweepstakes and, and wanting him and everything like that. And, again, I know we've had these conversations, but I think we feel the same way about this. Denver's one of those teams, like, you just, you know, you, you put a star next to you. you go watch out. Wait, offensive line got fixed wide receiving court, as dangerous as anybody in any in football. You know, of course, Vic Fangio and the defense was good, and now they got Kyle Fuller and Patrick Sertan. I mean, holy cow. I mean, they have a chance to be a, a really special defense, and if they got the quarterback situation figured out the right way, and I'm not saying Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater can't figure it out, but we know Watson can. That they, they could be a AFC legit contender with a guy like Watson, at quarterback,
0: right away. Broncos, Dolphins, and Eagles, to me, are the three teams to watch the most closely Right, whenever it is that the Texans are able to trade Watson and get real value. I continue to hear that teams are trying to generate something now, even with the baggage that goes along with the 22 lawsuits, because you could buy him at a lower price, get his contract far less than what it's going to be If those do get cleared away and all of a sudden people are showing up with multiple first round picks plus, and that's I think one of the reasons why the Texans are resisting because they believe they hope they expect that at some point those cases get resolved and they get a lot more for Deshaun Watson and they look, it's quiet again. It's quiet again, which when it's quiet as it relates to those lawsuits, that tells me there's a chance something could happen and the cases could get resolved. But when you look at the Broncos, the dolphins and the Eagles, Chris, those are teams that could trade for him now or next year. Yeah. It's not either or. No. You could absorb him right now, and it would change everything for that team for 2021. Or you could see what you do with what you have this year and revisit it after the season. It's. I don't see, except maybe Tua in Miami, I don't see any of the options with those three teams becoming so good this year that you would say now we 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 don't need Deshaun Watson in 2022
5: yeah agreed agreed yeah I mean Tua because of where he was picked their team you're right I mean even if he just played solid football and they went 11 and 6 I don't know they probably have a hard time you know wanting to sell that or trade him I, I I don't know now I mean of course I would Deshaun Watson's special I mean he is he is one of the the five or six best quarterbacks in football there's no doubt about it um you know, I, I think with like the the Denver situation, I mean, the weapons at your disposal are unbelievable. Miami pretty good. Eagles, we know it's it's kind of a work in progress. But like to me, Mike, the question you're asking, that's the million dollar question for these teams that are really truly interested in Watson is like, I mean, yeah, do you wanna do you wanna make it about this year? Like to, to me, this is where I would go with like Denver. That's got to be a little scary right now, To if I'm Vic Fangio at least, to want to trade for Deshaun Watson. We trade for him. We give away maybe some players on the roster right now, future draft picks, and we don't even know for sure yet, even though we want to get him for the low because it's for the low, but we don't know. He could end up suspended still, commissioner, exempt list, whatever it may be, and now you've done that, and yeah, the prospects are great for 2022 down the road, but you might not be there. You might be fired now. So that's where, you know, I think it's tough in these situations and they got to kind of figure out, do they want to be about now in the future or whatever, but there's certainly some juggling there to think about.
0: Well, and that's where ownership has to take over and say, I don't care about what this year or whatever. Yeah. Or thinking this year, next year, whatever Deshaun Watson will play football again. Right. You know, I I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on the manuscript for playmakers, which comes out next March. And there's a, There's a chapter on Deshaun Watson, which it's, you know, kind of difficult to 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 find a crystal ball that tells you where this is going to be in March. But one of the takeaways is this guy's playing again, unless he gets indicted, convicted and incarcerated for 10 years or longer, which is ridiculously unlikely at this point. Unless that happens, this guy's playing football again. Mike Vick played football again, and he went to prison for two years. This guy's playing again, yeah. and he's already shown he can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He'll be back, uh, and and it would be a stunner of all stunners if we never see this guy again. And the question is, who's going to end up benefiting from having one of the best players in football on the field for another 10 years? Yeah, exactly 10 years exactly or longer. Right. This guy's mid-20s. Yeah. Even if he misses two years like Mike Vick, he's mid-20s. So uh, he'll be back Uh, by the way, by the way, update, update on the question of the, the quotes on the back cover publisher likes the idea, loves the idea. The back cover quotes will not be your standard fare. It will be a stream of insults. So anyone out there who's in the business and, and you know who you are, I'm not talking about, you know, reporters, I'm talking about any coach wants to call me out. Any player wants to call me out. Do it, please. I beg you to. And 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 the more profane and insulting, the better because it's going on the back cover. Of hey,
5: well, if you can't find them, you know who to call. Oh, I'm sitting right here. I'll give you a good quote with some profanity and some things that are bad about you. No problem. I could put one on yeah. there for you. You just let me know, friend. All right. I love the idea. I love it. The fact that you're going to put some negative quotes and things like that there is very on brand for you. You've always been able and willing to take on those situations kind of head on. And it's, you know, it's different. You're right. It would catch my eye. i reading a book and like, wait, a quote from Aaron Rodgers. Don't read this crap. I mean, that would literally <laughs> yeah, yeah. make me open up and go, wait, let me see this crap in here. I mean, take me. What page yeah. is the crap Where's on? The crap? If he's commenting on this, there must be some good crap in here. So, yes, uh, I, yeah. I like it, man. It's it's going to be cool. All
0: right. Uh, again, uh, who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. But whenever it's quiet, that's when my antenna go up and so, I wait. And and just, just to put just to put this point on it, Chris, yeah. the fact that they were haggling over whether or not the settlement was would be confidential tells me they had an agreement in place for how much the settlement would be. When, once uh, you yeah. get there, right. once the people involved, especially the people who are going to get the money, start thinking about getting the money, a lot of the phone calls that come into the lawyer are when am I getting my money? And and that momentum is hard to undo.
5: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I never thought of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. Yeah, of course, uh, the conversations had to be somewhat down the road a little bit to get to that point of whether we're going to talk about confidentiality or not. All right, here's the the last thing I'll ask you, at least for this subject or whatever, like gut of guts. Do you think this happens this year? Or do you think it's something that happens next year? You know, I, I, I want to say still, I feel like, yeah, teams are going to be interested and call and continue to do that. But I, I don't know. I guess in my heart of hearts, I feel like nothing will
0: go down until next off, next offseason. Here's the problem for the Texans. Yeah. If they don't trade him by the time training camp starts, and we know how the NFL is when it comes to the possibility of paid leave, they say nothing. Now, now – and, and I don't get the impression that we even tell people behind the scenes. Antonio Brown in 2019. Now And maybe they wanted it that way. Maybe they wanted teams to not know what he was going to be able to do because that became a de facto unpaid suspension. Yeah, right. With the Texans, you're looking at the reality he's going to show up. He's going to show up because he gets put on paid leave. Texans got to pay him $10 million. Texans got to ask themselves – at what point are we willing to take the ten million dollar gamble? What's it worth to us? And this is a team that that once uh, what sent a second round pick to the Browns to take sixteen million off the books, so they understand the connection between sure. cash value, cap space, and draft pick compensation. At some point, they've got to do their flow chart. They have to do their their analysis from the standpoint of we may have to pay this guy ten million dollars. To not play for us this year, how does that affect our expectation of what we would take in a trade for someone else to take on the possibility of paying the guy $10 million to not pay? I mean, what play? We, we we saw the Ravens this week. They're paying Juwan James five hundred grand right. to rehab his Achilles with the possibility of him playing for them next year. How much would you pay? If you know the guy wants to play for you and will play for you in twenty twenty two, how much would you pay him? To not play for you in 2021. Yeah. I could. What would the Broncos pay 10 million? I I would. To Deshaun Watson. I, I mean,
5: I pro- knowing yeah. that they'll get him next year. Right. I would think about it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay. You you've thrown your team into flux for a little bit of a year. Certainly you hope he could fight and be respectable. But I think like what you said a few minutes ago is the point of the story. Like, yeah. Okay. We lose a little this year, but we gain a whole lot for the next 10 years. And that's where, you know, the Deshaun Watson thing is is different than, you know, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Like he is just starting the prime of his career. Last year was the best year of his career. I know not wins or losses, but you can talk to anybody in football who watched film and they are going to tell you, "Oh, Deshaun Watson played his best football last year without DeAndre Hopkins." And what he did, he was efficient, he was smart, he made plays. They had games, yeah, that they lost by eight, seven points. But I would sit there and go, if they don't have Deshaun Watson, they would have lost by 17 or 20. There was a game because of Deshaun Watson and what he can do. He's a difference maker. He is the kind of guy that can go, get on my shoulders. We're a little flat today. I can carry us through until everybody gets going here. And uh, that's there's only a few of them in football that can really do that.
0: And it's so easy to justify. Any team that drafts a quarterback in round one and is thinking about sitting the guy for the whole year, how's this any different? He's sitting out a That's year. That's right. We're, we're paying him to not play. Right. We, we, regardless of when he'll be back or why he's out, we're paying him to not play. And and by the way, you give up a first-round pick to get him. It's your 2022 first-round pick. That's right. He's going to play in 2022, all indications are. So I, I – I, I would not be surprised. The question is, what will the Texans take for him yeah, to get before rid of this. the start of training camp? Right. Just to be done with it. Yeah. All it takes is Nick Casario, Cal McNair, Jack Easterby, to be whoever's in charge down there rolling out of bed one day and saying, fine. Fine. This is the offer the Broncos have had on the table. Now, we don't know what is or isn't out there. And again, I'm hearing that the Texans just won't even engage. At some point, maybe they decide. You get away from mandatory minicamp in the offseason. You got that four or five weeks. You get a chance to let things settle down and think about what's to come. When you start thinking about what's to come and the possibility of paying the guy $10 million to not play for the, the this year, knowing that you're not getting him in 2022 makes it easier to trade him to a team that'll pay him the $10 million potentially this year. And. And realize that they will get him in 2022. One last point, while I'm thinking of this, yeah, you could you could set the compensation based upon whether or not he does play. That's this exa-
5: you're exactly right. You're right.
0: Right. Yeah, they get more. The Texans get more if it turns out that the cases are settled, and he plays at least eight games. Yeah, right. You get, get, you you get, get a, a second round instead of the third a round, a round or whatever. Yeah, exactly, exactly,
5: right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You're right. That's definitely out on the table there with that situation to, to smooth it over, no, no doubt. All right, I
0: got nothing else to say I, about it. You? I just think I think it's something yeah. we need to pay attention to, especially yeah. as it's quiet. Quiet, I hear when you. When the lawyers aren't sniping, maybe things are moving in the direction to get it resolved. Let's take a break when we return. Tom Brady talking yesterday about how difficult it will be to defend their title. And as we talked yesterday, it was something that could have easily gone sideways in the NFC Championship game. It could go sideways this year. We'll hear from Brady on that topic when PFT Live continues right after this. Brady, Brady,
5: Brady, Brady, Brady.
2: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?
1: It'll just be exactly like it was last year. You know, I think that's what you gotta not fall into is that, oh, this is the way it worked last year. So this is the way it'll be this year. And the reality is, is everything's different. The teams will approach you a little bit differently. You know, you're kind of the team everyone's watching now. So there's different degrees of expectation. There's more external noise. There'll be more people that are wanting to come to games, Um, more opportunity to do things outside of football. And I think the reality is is you got to stay focused on, um, you know, what's really important. How do you improve? How do you get better from week to week, day to day? Even the games, you know, a lot of games we won last year were very razor thin margins. Um, one or two plays, you know, make the difference in every game. So, I'm, you know, from from how I feel about it and how BA has talked about it with our team, he's done a great job of keeping us focused. Um, keeping the intensity there, allowing us to um, continue to work out together and communicate and make improvements that we need to make because I feel like, you know, we're not finished products. And it was really our first opportunity to play together last year. And there's a lot of opportunity for us to grow into something that could be, um, you know, very different. We have a lot of guys who'd like to do that. Very competitive group of guys.
0: No NFL team has repeated as Super Bowl champions since the 2003-2004 Patriots and I distinctly recall in 2004 one of the ingredients to the Patriots being as good as they were people didn't believe they were good enough to repeat they just kept chugging along but they weren't regarded You're right. as this the super dynasty team with right All the starters back, and everything's lined up, and the Buccaneers are great, and maybe they'll go 17-0. You're right. The Patriots didn't have that, so they were able to have the chip on their shoulder that propelled them to what was regarded as unlikely. It makes it even harder for the Buccaneers. And, Chris, as we said yesterday, up 28-10, Tom Brady turns into an interception machine, and but for the decision to not go for it, and the Packers don't force overtime, and the Packers could have and should have won that game. They had all the momentum, very different narrative around Brady and the Buccaneers, if that's ultimately what happens. Maybe they don't hold the team together. You know, it's a deflating end. Guys are going to need a fresh start, et cetera. Um, I I agree with everything he's saying. It's not going to be easy, and it's going to require every ounce of his leadership abilities to keep everyone focused all year long, one week at a time, on getting back to where they just were.
5: Yeah, no, I mean it, it is it is interesting. Again, I think it's another. It's going to be a great like psychological experiment to a degree because like it, it's unique in them the fact that you know they were a good team all year. They really didn't become a really good team and start to come together to the last you know two three games of the regular season into the playoffs. So like them playing at a really high level is still going to be new to them which I think would add, like, excitement to be like, wait, I mean, we just got going. Let's go, all of that. You know, I also think with with B.A., Bruce Arians, and the culture around there, I don't think they're going to feel the pressure of the situation. I think he's a great guy to keep people loose and kind of just enjoy, you know, the the, the riches of being the kings of, of football and all that. But yeah, I mean, everything Brady said is true. Not that I can speak to being on a Super Bowl team, but I can speak to being on a good team one year and then coming back to the next year and going, wait, we're doing all the same things we did last year, but none of it's working. And why can't we do it as good and those type of things? Every team every year has its own lifeline. And even with Brady and some of those teams like that they won Super Bowls with, there was one year they, hey, yeah, man, the tight end stuff, it's all great. We're killing the NFL. The next year, yeah, teams make adjustments. All of a sudden, they're all over the tight end stuff, and you have to go like, wait, we kind of got to reinvent ourselves to find our new niche for this season to kind of like what we are, what makes us go. Oh, hey, here's Wes Welker or Edelman. Let's start to do that part of the offense. That is a real thing, and they're going to have to find that, you know, little rhythm with the 2021 bucks. Because, yeah, it's unlikely that they're just going to hit the ground running doing exactly what they did at the end of last year and be able to execute that because you and I both know, like Brady said, everybody studies the Super Bowl winner. Everybody. They're all going to watch it. And then especially the teams that are going to play them early in the year and the division teams. So some of the things that they were bread and butter good at last year, teams are going to make adjustments, let alone they got a bullseye and they're the Super Bowl champs and everyone
0: who wants a a piece of their ass when when you're that team it's the measuring stick game on everyone's schedule it's the one that gets circled and especially early in the year you know if the Buccaneers end up stumbling at all then it's not as big of a deal in November December but early in the year that's what the Cowboys are gearing up for this is their chance to reestablish themselves and get their season off to a great start and they would love nothing more than to go to Tampa Bay and win on the night where they raise their banner so yeah every team every opponent there in the division out of the division in the conference out of the conference they all are going to want to show what they can do against the tampa bay buccaneers the Bucs are going to get the best of what every team they face has every given week especially as long as they are still a good team wheels come off different story altogether the folks at points bet don't expect the wheels to come off for the buccaneers or the kansas city chiefs they are the overwhelming favorites to win the super bowl the chiefs plus 475 The Buccaneers plus six fifty, and then there is a gap plus twelve hundred. Are the Bills and the Rams? I'm surprised the Rams are as high as they are. But when you go out and get Matthew Stafford, and you're already a Final Eight team, and you're replacing Jared Goff with Matthew Stafford, I understand it. I still am surprised that the Rams are higher than the 49ers at plus thirteen hundred. But there's a regardless. There's a gap between the Chiefs and the Bucks and the rest of the top contenders.
5: I I would think the Rams thing above the 49ers, like, yeah, I'm with you. It's a little surprising at first look, but I would guess it's all about the quarterback, really, like you said. It's just the Stafford, and we're not sure, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, whatever, how do they feel about it? I would believe that's the perception. But I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm like, when I look at those, I go, I, I feel it's about right. I mean, I do think Kansas City and Tampa Bay, just on paper and everything like that, are a notch above the rest of the NFL right now. You know, one with, like, their mental toughness, uh, you know, their showmanship, and then, of course, they're talented. And then we've talked so much about the Bucks and how amazing it is that 22 starters are back. But, like... We're seeing a team that's gone to the Super Bowl two years in a row and, yeah, lost this last one, but got significantly better this offseason. Like, significant. And I feel like it's kind of been swept under the rug because of the Buccaneers thing and they had lost and all those type of things. But, man, when you talk about what they did on the offensive line, right, Mike? They got Jerron Reed, one of the better D tackles in football, who said, screw you, Seattle. I don't want to be here if you want to renegotiate my contract. For what, like $7 million to get him – you know and then made some other moves with Mike Hughes and things like that to where I just go yeah don't sleep on the chiefs they didn't like sit back and go oh we just got to play better this year or have a new execution standpoint uh, from what we did in the super bowl they they got better they got players to get better and that's where i look at those two teams as certainly the cream of the
0: crop a point that someone made to me after the falcons traded receiver julio jones to the tennessee titans making the titans dramatically better and thrusting them I think into the elite they are already close to the elite in yeah. the AFC this is going to be a lot like last year and it may even be more pronounced where it's murderer's row in the AFC and who are the Buccaneers really competing with I mean look after the Bucks, it's the it's the Rams right I it's Bucs a versus Rams I'll take the Bucks right now um, I know maybe the Bay, Bucks have an easier path. I definitely I mean, with all their dysfunction, right? Whether Rogers shows up or doesn't show up the Packers going 13 and three again this year. I don't think so, yeah. but it could be the Bucks have an easier path in the regular season. I mean, they're going to face the Falcons twice now without Julio Jones, who has done well against them in the past. They have an easier path in the regular season, greater likelihood of being the top seed. They did it the hard way last year, going on the road every week in the playoffs. Maybe this year they end up the one seed. Saints are in transition without Drew Brees. But, but the AFC is going to have that cluster of great teams. So by the time you get to the last game, how much gas will the Chiefs have left in the tank if it is the Chiefs? And the Buccaneers, they won't be as battle-hardened. But they also won't be down four or five starters who got banged up throughout the course of the AFC postseason. So it's another reason to look at the Buccaneers and say, yeah, you're sitting pretty. You know, they, they're, they're in a good spot. There's no, in a good spot. there's
5: no like, you're right. There's no team in the NFC you really look at and go, they got it all. They're dominant. Watch out for them this year. There's really not. You're right. I mean, New Orleans, we know is good, but it's a, it's a transition to a degree. You know, the 49ers, I think we look at them as maybe uh, the f- complete roster to have the type of talent, you know, to mess with the Bucs. If bucks. they can stay healthy. If they can stay healthy, right, which we're already seeing issues with that this week. And then, of course, the quarterback conversation. But the AFC, as we brought up a few times in the last few weeks, you're right. It's unbelievable. And forget about that, too. It's it's all the great quarterbacks in the AFC. I mean, they're, they're all over there. Other than Brady, Russell Wilson, and Rodgers, I mean, when you just start to break it down, I mean, just the AFC North, all those studs, Josh Allen, you know, New England, the Jets with a top five pick. The AFC South has got Wentz and Tannehill and Deshaun Watson. Now Trevor Lawrence gets added to the mix. I mean, Mahomes, Herbert, I mean, just everything. You look at it, you're right. It's not going to be easy to get out of the AFC, and that certainly could be a factor uh, for for the Chiefs uh, as they go along through the year,
0: you know the NFC team. If I'm the Buccaneers, I'd be the most concerned about which which team in the NFC has the formula to beat Tommy in a, in a single elimination game. Which team has the formula?
5: Well, you you thinking about the the G Men? No, then no. Single close,
0: close. S- go down 95 a little bit. Who'd we t- who'd we praise yesterday? T- Washington.
5: Oh, wa- oh, no doubt
0: they got the formula.
5: You're right. You're right. I'm not going to sleep on Washington. You're exactly right. They, they got do. they got they, they got, got the, the studs guys up
0: front. They do. They got the guys up front. Yes. to make Tommy's life a living hell.
5: Agreed. Agreed. They do. They have some potential there to be a player. I'm I'm with you. And you know, as we stated yesterday, we're both taking Washington to win the NFC East. I don't I don't. It's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I mean, I like what the Giants did and things like that. But man, I think that Washington team, like we, you, like you talked about, front four can win win games by themselves. And then you have all those guys in coverage and that offense with the weapons and things like that. Yeah. They're definitely one of those teams.
0: I think we we should watch out for.
5: They got the offense to
0: keep up with whatever Brady can do. And they got the defense to keep Brady from doing what he can do. And that knee, I'm telling you, he keeps talking about that knee. He said that knee bothered him since April, May of last year. Mm. He had to deal with it all season long And they're going to use shotgun more to protect it. Who's to say that it's fine? They didn't tell us it wasn't fine last year. And speaking of fine, he keeps talking about that knee. They are getting fined because he never was on the injury report last year with a knee. Never. Not a single time. And he's now made it clear. And he keeps talking about it. Just like Brett Favre talked about his partially torn biceps tendon in 2009 when he went to the Vikings. And they eventually went back and they find the Jets and Mike Tannenbaum and Eric Mangini for not disclosing that injury. The Bucks have to worry about that because he just keeps talking about it, and it makes me wonder how bad it was, and it makes me wonder, Chris, how good it really is and will be. Yeah. It's not a conspiracy; it's a
5: fact. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I, uh, no, I, I think it's you know you, your crusades about the injury reports are always great, but like this is real. I don't know. Like to me, it seems like does the NFL care anymore? Maybe they don't care. I, I just feel like they, They've kind of let a few of these scenarios kind of just fall by the waist side, uh, uh lately. I do, and yeah, the Brady thing, I mean, honestly, come on, this has been talked about since February. I mean, it's, it, every every other week there's a conversation about his knee being hurt last year, and man, he had a play through it and all of that. So, I, I mean, if there was somebody to get fined, yeah, you would think it would be the Bucks and the Champs and Tom Brady and all that, but I don't know, maybe the NFL is, has stopped worrying about it, because this is at least the I third don't. or fourth time we've talked about you know, somebody who was injured that we didn't know about in the last six or seven weeks.
0: Well, they're going to wake up one day and Roger Goodell is going to have a date with a Senate or House yeah, committee. That's what's going to happen. testify on integrity in professional sports as it relates to the transparency or lack thereof of information available to betters and access to inside information and other assorted means for potential corruption they're going to be surprised then potentially but they shouldn't be because that's where all this is going to lead all the billions they're going to make off of gambling it's going to come with a price if they don't take care of some of these issues and that's one of the ones that they need to care about or it's going to haunt them later let's take a break when we return DeAndre Hopkins has some thoughts on trading first round picks instead of second round picks for some of the best receivers in football we'll discuss that next here on PFT Live
5: What was your first reaction to when uh, Julio got traded? Um, especially with him being for a second round pick, you were second round pick. What, what does that say about the value of a number receiver in the league?
4: There would not work first round picks. That the first round picks are are bad, and that's that's basically what uh, <laughs> I would like to see a first round pick that could do what Julio and myself do. But you know. Guys are pretty good, you know, the receiver core, uh, receiver groups, you know, coming out of college, they're a little bit more advanced than I was back in my days, even though I only had like, you know, however many touchdowns, 15 or so touchdowns. But, uh, you know, you got guys like, you know, Justin Jefferson who who came in balling as a rookie. So, uh, you know, there's definitely some guys that that can do what Julio and myself do, but um, I'm surprised, shoot, that Julio, I mean, I know, you know, I was, I was only coming off a of first-team All-Pro, you know, so I, I kind of figured I might only go for a second round, but I was surprised a guy like Julio would only go for a second round. Uh,
0: DeAndre Hopkins yesterday a talking sarcasm. about the fact that both he and Julio Jones went for second-round picks. Now, David Johnson was also part of the package, but, but you could argue that the Cardinals were, were happy to get <laughs> yeah, David Johnson's so. fully guaranteed contract. Uh, h- here's the reality. I'm glad that he mentioned – justin jefferson because he said show me a first round pick who can do what we do yes justin jefferson right case closed but this is the part that continues to get ignored you use a first round pick on a receiver you aren't paying him much at all for four years exactly you're paying him for four years less than what deandre hopkins makes for one year deandre hopkins wanted to be the highest paid receiver in football. The Texans didn't want to do it. That's one of the reasons he got traded, and that's part of the obligation that the Cardinals assumed when they acquired him. Yeah. They're going to have to make him the highest paid receiver. That's part of what the Titans are assuming. They're going to pay $15.3 million fully guaranteed this year to Julio Jones, and if he plays well, they're going to have to give him a raise the next year. That's what holds down the compensation. The dollars that get committed now or in the future it's a, it's a it, it it goes hand in hand. The more you give up financially, the less you're going to want to give up by way of draft pick compensation. That's just the way it is. That's the answer to the question. DeAndre, if you're confused, it's not complicated. Yeah, Those guys are cheaper. First-round picks are cheaper. So guys who have the greater expectations financially are going to have a harder time generating in trade a first-round pick. Yeah, I, I mean,
5: uh, uh, 100%. I mean, you laid it out the right way. Yeah, at base level, Hopkins and Julio with no outside circumstances are definitely first-round trade, you know, uh, talents. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we know that, but, like – There's a lot of different things that go into it, and that's the the thing I think some people are missing about the whole situation in general. You described it with Julio Jones. Hey, one, there's a little bit of the injury scare load management thing, let alone, like you're talking about the money itself uh, for the future. And again, NFL teams aren't in the business of doing bad business, just being like, well, we want the player, here's a first round. No, it's about the value at the moment of the trade. That, that really is part of the circumstance, and at this part moment, like we talked about, too, it, it was the worst market, the worst time of the year to make this type of trade with this type of football player. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of leverage, and then, of course, the risk of, wait, if he does come to training camp and gets hurt, then we're going to have to pay him money, which also lowers the, the trade value and those type of things, so... Yeah, it's it's a lot of different things that go into trade value. It's not just player, bam, that's end of the conversation. No, and that's what leads to this. There, there's no doubt they're both first-round talents as far as Hopkins or Julio and trades, no doubt.
0: We've seen over the last 15 years a dynamic in the NFL as it relates to running backs, great running backs, contracts expire. There's a hesitation to pay that running back a ton of money because you can go get another one in the draft, and dollar for dollar, based on what your current running back wants versus what your rookie running back gets, you can make the argument let the guy walk away. I mention that because with all these great receivers that we're seeing enter the NFL every year, right? It's going to become a factor as well. And you know, I, it's for some of these guys yeah. who are, who are good enough, but not Justin Jefferson. When the time comes to pay them, I could see a team say, "No, I agree. We're, we're not going to do it. Agreed. We, we'll, we'll just we'll go draft somebody instead." It's
5: going to be like the quarterback situation. It's it, I think it's like you know what we've talked about with that. Like we, you know, I think we're going to continue to see that. Like nope, there's plenty of good ones in the league, and there's another five coming out in the draft that are awesome. We're not going to ruin our team just to say you're our quarterback and here's $40 million a year. I agree with you. I think that's going to happen. I I think it's definitely going to happen at wide receiver. I think you're going to see a little bit of a a devalument. I don't think that's a word, but it sounds good, of the position. OK, I mean, it really, because, like, you know, you're talking about, yeah, the Justin Jefferson situation. Hey, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk wasn't bad. He's got a chance. But forget that. Chase Claypool has got a chance. Second round pick. Oh, wait. Second round picks from two years ago. Debo Samuel and D.K. Metcalf. They look OK. I think they're going to be all right. So, yes, I, that's why also I, I, I do think the value of these trading of these wide receivers is going to go down a little bit and the money to a degree because yeah, they're growing on trees. Devalument. Put it in my, put it on my tab.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, your, your, tab has a significant valument. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I'm in uh, debt. <laughs> every once in a while, every once in a while you trip into one that ends up being a word. I, and I was just a little concerned that this is one that just never gets used. That that's out there on the books. I did the quick research. What evaluate. is it? Not a word. Darn it. Darn not it. a word. Man, not nice. even. Not even on Urban Dictionary. Uh, uh. You know, if Urban Dictionary doesn't have your back, right. you're really in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Because some of the ones you've come up with, yes, they do have an entry on Urban Dictionary. Yes, it has all sorts of interesting <laughs> entries. But but look. I just I, I hope folks understand because people were confused. How's Julio Jones only worth a second round pick? Because of the money that he commands now and will continue to command. Same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. Same thing if, if the Vikings decide, you know, Justin Jefferson wants 30 million a year. What not not the, I still I'd still like to think they can get a first rounder for him because he's younger. But but these are the decisions teams are gonna have to make. How much are we willing to pay for this receiver that we have? And how much is someone willing to give us for a guy who walks through the door with dramatically higher financial commitments and expectations than a rookie that we would draft? So that that's the answer in a yep. nutshell for DeAndre Hopkins. Let's take a break. We're going to flip it over to quarterbacks. The countdown continues. Number 21 and number 20. Who ends up higher on the list than Ben Roethlisberger? I'm very intrigued by number 21. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live.